When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Euro Trip. It is great to have you along as ever for your second helping of Euro Trip goodness this week. Melfest Monday, episode two, was with you a couple of days ago as we looked back at the first semi-final and looked ahead to the second semi-final. More of that to come, obviously. Uh, but we must tell you, before we start properly this week, about James, a, a little quiz that me and you were, were involved in last week. It was a bit of a ridiculous situation we found ourselves in, wasn't it? Yeah, so we, we found ourselves doing this Zoom quiz, as most people end up doing during lockdown, um, and it was a Melfest special. So all the questions, well, were meant to be about Melfest. It was mainly about Sweden, a very tenuous link to Melfest. But then a very special guest seemed to join us out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah, so there were bonus points given in said quiz if you could bring a famous person or an inverted commas famous person along with you to the quiz. Now, I kind of uh, misunderstood and thought it could be literally anybody and didn't have to be Melody Festival or Sweden related. Uh, so my contribution to the quiz was the winner of MasterChef UK 2016. <laughs> Not quite what everyone else was after. But there was a far more impressive guest who joined us on Thursday, although the most frustrating thing for the listeners here is that I don't think we're at liberty to say who joined us at all. And even if we did tell them, I really don't think anybody would believe us anyway. I don't think they would. All we'll say, Eurovision winner in the last decade. I mean, that narrows it down plenty, doesn't it? (laughs) that's enough to keep them guessing should we leave it at that we'll leave it at that but rest assured that yes you're right me and james are as cool as it sounds and we do do melody festival and quizzes in our spare time (laughs) anyway it's time for the euro trip let the dance macabre begin ladies and gentlemen good evening and a very warm Welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy what I say. What I say. This is the Euro Trip. 
Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, Daz Sampson. Now I'm going to hand you over to James to talk to you about the ridiculous conversation he had with Daz for the podcast this week. Because I've listened to it already and honestly, if you, if you do nothing else this week, you will not regret listening to Daz Sampson in conversation with the man who co-hosts this podcast with me, because it is ridiculous. So much for saying you're going to hand over to me to talk about it, given you've just given that massive build-up. But yeah, (laughs) with Daz, what you see is what you get. He is so vocal, he's so outspoken, but first of all, he is a massive fan of the Eurovision Song Contest. Of course, he represented the UK back in 2006. He's tried to represent Belarus in the past. Where on earth did that come from? We'll find out all the answers later. And he is back again this year, to try and represent Belarus again for 2021. But one of the most surprising stories is still to come, and it comes with this extraordinary admission. Since Eurovision, I've had five top 20 hit records, uh, which you will never know about because I've written them for other people under a different name, and I've signed disclosures. Just because it doesn't have my name on it doesn't mean I haven't written it. And that is just one of the ridiculous things that Daz will say in that interview later on. It is a chunky old podcast this week, so stay with us for the duration. You won't regret it. Later on, we're going to hear from Patrick Jean, who is in the Melody Festival and semi-final this weekend. He also wrote the Mamas song last year, of course. And also, we have got one of the Ukrainian jury on the show too. So all that and more still to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. Indeed it is. It's a Wednesday. It is another edition of the Eurotrip podcast, your favourite Eurovision podcast. Me and James here every single week between now and Rotterdam and beyond. And we said it in the intro, it's a chunky old episode this week. There is so much to come as we've said, so please do stay right where you are. But we have to say thank you very much once again for all of your lovely comments on last week's episode. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, if you are listening at home and want to get in touch with us at any point, uh, don't forget you can tweet us. We are at Eurotrip Podcast. Um, it's just what um, I'm going to read out some Twitter handles here and no doubt get them wrong. So if this is you, do apologise. But Ale Kostankar, <laughs> if that's you, Thanks for getting in touch. He said, ooh, I loved hearing Sebastian's thoughts on our selection. He's clearly a Frenchman, but it was lovely to have Sebastian on last week to chat about their song for Eurovision 2021. Jamie also got in touch to say, great episode again, guys. Can you interview Sanna Nielsen every week? I mean, we'd love to. I mean, we would probably would do it as well because I'm sure she's got so many other stories to tell. Sorry, any opportunity I've got to replace you with Sanna Nielsen, I'm doing it. <laughs> I think either of us are pretty disposable. So if either of the other ones secures... A, a big name guest who fancies co-hosting the podcast. This will be the last you hear of one of us anyway. Yeah, when you're next on holiday, don't you worry. Daz Samson is co-hosting with me and that will be <laughs> a right laugh. <laughs> uh, but finally for me, Vince got in touch on Twitter as well. to say I just discovered Eurotrip podcast, a great accompaniment to my target of watching as many Eurovision national selections as possible this year. Sounds like a pretty good way to spend lockdown, to be honest, doesn't it? Just sitting down, trying to get through as many of those as possible. Uh, We've already mentioned her, the big guest last week, Sanna Nielsen. It's quite a contrast, by the way. Sanna last week, Daz Sampson this week. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, don't say we don't go across the board here. We interview anybody and everybody to do with Eurovision. We really, really do. Talking of which, some big, big, big guests coming up. So uh, keep an eye on our social channels for that. But yeah, thank you for your comments on the interview with Sanna as well. Uh, we, we put an article out on Eurovoir from the interview saying, Sanna Nielsen says, never say never to Melfest Return, which is very, very exciting. Uh, Tucson tweeted us to say, some people are just addicted. I mean, she kind of is. If she did go back to Melody Festival, it would be her eighth attempt. So that really would be something. And also, this is a very, very valid point from uh, Ajit, who tweeted us to say, if you can support Sanna Nielsen going to Melfest for an eighth time, you can support the artists that show up in the national finals every single year and support them for not giving up instead of making fun of them for being desperate. It's true, because a lot of these artists, they just love performing, and they would dream of being on the Eurovision stage. Sanna had to do it seven times before she got there, so why can't we support others for doing the same? Absolutely. And I'm going to say this so so much. This is another thing that Daz mentions later on in the podcast, in his interview. He says he gets a lot of hate for coming back year after year. But 
you know, he's like Sana Nielsen. Sana Nielsen comes back loads of times. Daz Samson comes back loads of times. So let's just support them. They love the contest. It's great to have them back. I guarantee no other podcast this week has compared Sana Nielsen and Daz <laughs> Samson. And if you hadn't noticed, uh, Daz Samson's on the podcast later. I don't think we've mentioned it enough. Anyway, for now, it's time for this. It is indeed time for this, this being the news of course and as I'm sure it will be every single week until May, until Rotterdam 2021, it's been a busy old week. There is so much going on. Every time we record the podcast of course, because you might have guessed, we don't record on a Wednesday, we record a couple of days before at the start of the week and every time we record we go, what else is going to be announced between when we record and the actual episode going out? So apologies if there is some news that we don't mention because that's what's happened. However, we do our best to get as much news to you as possible in this uh, in this little segment right here. We certainly do. But to keep up to date with all of the latest news, don't forget you can, of course, go over to youofwar.com where you'll find all of the latest stories to do with the Eurovision Song Contest. But anyway, here is my roundup of all the news that we've seen anyway in the last seven days. I will start with some very tragic news, however. Uh, Ors Siklosi, frontman of AWS who represented Hungary in 2018, has passed away at the age of 29 following a battle with leukaemia. Uh, I think it goes without saying that our thoughts here on the podcast are with his friends and family at this difficult time. Over the course of last weekend, there was plenty of national selections going on. Of course, Melfest kicked off. I'm not going to talk about that here. We mentioned it very in-depth on this week's episode of Melfest Monday. Uh, Melody Grand Prix continued as well last weekend with semi-final four, and it continues with semi-final five this coming weekend. Let's take a listen to the snippets of those songs. What do you think of those? Once again, we find ourselves another week on saying, what a diverse bunch of songs. Safe to say none of those are very similar to each other. So fair play to NRK for giving us a a diverse group of songs, the quality of which probably varying, I would say. So would I. I'm sure many will agree. Uh, But of course, their last semi-final takes place this coming weekend, and they've got a second chance round next Monday as well. So when we next speak to you next Monday, we will have the 12 finalists taking part in the grand final there. Uh, Lithuania's selection process came to an end on Saturday, and to no surprise, it was the Roop that took victory, uh, receiving remarkably more than 10 times as many televote points as the act in second place. So they will represent Lithuania with Discotech in May. Uh, on Saturday, we also had the German participant officially confirmed. You remember last month we mentioned the name of Jendrik, and it will indeed be him. Uh, his song will be revealed at the end of the month. Uh, another song reveal happening at the end of February is the song for Slovenia. Instead of holding a national final, uh, Anna Soklic's song has been internally selected and will be revealed on the 27th of Feb. Um, if you're listening on Wednesday, podcast release day, then you may well have heard the songs that are in the running for Denmark and Spain. Dansk Melody Grand Prix will take place on March the 6th and Blast Candle's song will be chosen on, well, I don't know when, but you may well know because they may well have announced it today. Um, we're starting to get an idea of what Eurovision 2021 will look like as well, with Scenario A, which is basically a normal event, has been ruled out by the organisers. They are now focusing their efforts on Scenario B, which is a socially distant event. Either way, we know that previous Dutch winners Lenny Kerr and Getty Kaspers will form part of the Interval Act. And finally for me, uh, on Thursday the 11th of February, it marks a very special date, which is 100 days until the grand final of Eurovision 2021. 
To celebrate, an official Eurovision TikTok channel is being launched, and on Twitter, fans are being asked to share their answer to the question, what does Eurovision mean to you, by using the hashtag 100 days to Eurovision. Now, normally, I'm very critical of you for missing out some news, but to be fair, I'm not sure you could have squeezed much more in there, could you? That Honestly, that was a task. That was a task and a half, but... As I said at the top, we've probably missed something, but it's probably happened in the days since we've recorded. So if there's anything I've missed, youvoir.com is your friend. Well, one thing you have missed, and I must now raise to you, of course, is that we have got another song for Eurovision 2021. Uh, That song comes from Ukraine. Uh, Go A, of course, we always knew that they would be representing Ukraine at Eurovision in Rotterdam this year. They have their song for Eurovision 2021, which is Shum. Now the fandom, all very surprised when Shum was announced, as it's just very fun to say that, by the way, I just had to stop myself. Shum means noise, apparently. Um, Yeah, we were all very surprised that it had been chosen as Ukraine's entry for a number of reasons, mainly that it wasn't one of the three songs that we were originally told were in the running to be Goe's entry. Uh, And also, we were told that we wouldn't find out which entry they would take to Rotterdam until March. Needless to say, We don't care. We're delighted to have another song that isn't revealed in March. Uh, But James, I told you earlier on uh, a couple of days ago that I'd managed to secure quite a big interview for this podcast. And I'm still quite confused as to how this had happened. Yeah, so am I. I didn't think we would ever speak to anybody from Ukraine uh, here on the podcast. I just think it's very difficult to get in touch with anybody from Ukraine, really. Um, So when you sent me a message the other day and said, I've got an interview with X, I was very much surprised. Once again, as we often say on this podcast, I'm about to say a name that you probably don't recognise. So I have been speaking to Yaroslav Lodigin. Now, Yaroslav Lodigin is on the board of Ukraine's public broadcaster and was one of the jury members that helped select Shum for Goe in Rotterdam. Now, it was brilliant to be able to talk to him because this is an insight that you won't hear anywhere else. So I began our conversation by asking how the jury came to the decision that Shum should be Goe's entry rather than any of the previously announced songs. Well, I think this uh, uh, the, the, the postponement of, of the Eurovision Song Contest last year put a lot of artists in a very difficult uh, position, especially those who were... Uh, um, confirmed as a next year, this year participants without the national competition because this is a song contest, this is not a band contest and if the nation chose uh, through a transparent uh, com- inner competition that chose some particular song it puts a little a, a, a massive pressure on the band and on the jury as well to choose another song or to create another song that will uh, repeat the success or will find uh, that much uh, fans inside Ukraine. Because, you know, even now, we after we announced the decision of the jury with the song Shum, uh, the biggest criticism we're facing is the criticism inside Ukraine, not outside Ukraine. This affects go away very much, this tension. And I know that uh, they um, spend a lot of months struggling to find this new song uh, to overcome this pressure. Uh, and uh, I-, I was listening to all the uh, variants, all the songs that they were producing during this time. And uh, I-, I felt their dissatisfaction with that. And I, I-, I felt their uh, doubts about uh, uh, different songs they uh, proposed. So then we decided to 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 go forward with the with the competition process, and that that was a competition for just one band. And uh, we asked them to provide some different songs for us. They proposed three of them. They created more than three during this period of time, uh, but we had to choose between those three. They were the 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 readiest one, the 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 most completed one. But then when we took our Zoom conference after the jury got, got uh, familiar with the songs. We haven't had, we didn't have uh, 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 much you know, discussion um, or doubts about what song uh, should we pick. 
plus we all, all already saw the reaction on the on the single and the cliff uh, here in Ukraine that became absolutely viral video um, and uh, we supposed that the, suggesting this song to the international audience would be maybe would be the better choice than just uh, experimenting with another song and uh, I think we, we made the right decision now we need to fit this song into the uh, competition rules and I think we'll be all right when did you first start listening to, to these songs because you said you know you've been sent demos from go a pretty much since last May potentially after after the uh, um... The cancellation of the uh, uh, last year competition. Next month, we confirmed uh, in in June, I believe, we confirmed as a company that we will go uh, forward with Go Away this year. And uh, I think just like starting from October, maybe September, I start receiving some uh, ideas or drafts of the songs. And uh, I would say let. Starting from November or the end of the November, I started to worry about uh, uh, what is going to come up with, uh, out of them. Then, though, there was a, just a, a question of the deadlines. You must be so delighted with the reaction to, to Shum that has been given to it from all corners of the world, not just Europe. Yeah, that's, that's a surprise for us. Because one of the reasons is because it's it's very folky. It's on Ukra- in Ukrainian language, and even not everybody in Ukraine knowing Ukrainian language is uh, is understanding what is the song is about. Because uh, it, it's 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 a it's a song in a very uh, I would say rural language or the old language, and uh, not everybody remembers all these traditions or the context that a song is using with this. Uh, the, the the ceremonies and the routine of calling the spring uh, context and uh, so it's it, it, it's it is not very clear the, the message of the song is not very clear as I thought even here in Ukraine uh, but there's something in the song some energy in the song that uh, turned people even without Ukrainian language in their background or knowing the Ukrainian language to to dig deeper in the song and to find a lot of meanings of that and uh, I, I i think it is resonate somehow worldwide you know i spend like uh half an hour of each day watching the reaction videos in youtube and discussing them with my colleagues and in facebook because uh, that uh, reactions we broadcast them like clips or some uh, uh short versions of them we broadcast them at television or our digital platforms and this changed the reception of the song here in Ukraine as well. Just finally you you mentioned how obviously we know that the song Shum has to undergo some changes because currently it's too long for example that's I know that's one thing that does need to be changed. Are there any other changes that we can expect? Is it going to stay in Ukrainian for example? Uh, Well you're right it's, it's, it's going to be shorter uh, but uh, for the rest of the changes, I cannot say uh, really. I can not because I don't want, but uh, I think that the musicians knows better than some execu- uh, executives what to do with their song to to make it better. So it's they're free to go in any directions. We will support any creative decision they will make, especially because they are surrounded now by the very professional team of, team of sound producers, and I think. That's very important not to, to make it worse. The, the, the minimum for us is to break into the finals, not to ruin the tradition. But if you're competing, it's very odd not to, not to have this ambition to win. So I hope that uh, Go Away will win. And, and, and we as a company will make uh, utmost to, to help them to do it. This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. 
So, of course, you are listening to the Eurotrip on what is a very chunky episode. I'm only saying that because we really want you to stick around for this Daz Samson interview that is coming up very, very shortly. It is very well worth your time. Uh, but first, it's time to speak to another national finalist who is hoping to represent their country at Eurovision 2021. Uh, it's another act from Sweden that we couldn't possibly squeeze into this week's episode of Melfest Monday. So we thought we'd pop them in here. Hi, this is Patrick Sean. I am hoping to represent Sweden this year with my song Tears Run Dry, and you're listening to the Eurotrip. Now, I don't envy Patrick in the semi-final of Modi Festivalen on Saturday, because there are some pretty big names in that semi-final, as we discuss on Melfest Monday this week, because uh, not only do we have Anton Ewald, we also have Dotter in that semi-final. So, a lot to look forward to. Now, Dotter, of course, there is a link here, I promise. I've just worked out in my head to how we're going to get into uh, hearing from him. Dotter missed out on representing Sweden at Eurovision 2020, which, of course, didn't happen anyway, by a single point. She missed out to the Mammers. Who wrote Move for the Mammers? It was the man we've just heard, Patrick Jean. He was one of the writers on Move. Uh, the Mama's eventual Melody Festival and winning entry. So before I asked him about his participation in Melody Festival and this year, I started the interview by asking whether he knew the moment he wrote the song, it would be a winner. It's a tricky question because, I mean, in the room while we wrote that song, there was this weird special magic that made us kind of like, oh, wait, there's something like this, this could actually be something. But that was even like, that was before the mamas even heard the song. So it was a long shot, but me and Melanie and Herman, we have this thing where we kind of, when we really believe in something, we kind of throw it it, it out in the universe. And we kind of did that gesture. And then we just sent the song and they loved the track. Uh, And then when we met them to record, like, it all just like came together so perfectly. So it was like another step where it was like magic. And then we went to the semifinals and the magic appeared again, you know, and it was all the way it was just like, it just felt like it was, it was meant to be somehow. Um, so I, I kind of believed that the song could actually win from the beginning, but of course you never know, you never know. Cause you know, yeah, it's so unpredictable. At what point did you find out that you were going to be an artist in this year's edition? I was listening to your song Prosecco just before uh, before chatting to you, and yeah. At, at what point did you what point did you find out that you know it was actually going to be you on the stage rather than you as a songwriter this time around? That was in uh, October. I sent the song in with me as an artist, so I think that for me that was the only option. Like with this song, it's so personal to me and it it's so much of of my sound in the song so I I don't know if I would have like given the song away I think I would have released it regardless because I love it so much but um yeah so it was always like there was no question like if the song's gonna be in there who's gonna do it like I always knew it it would be me but yeah I did not expect because I'm still pretty unestablished as an artist so I had no expectations and I was just thrilled that they loved the song and that they believed in me that much that they wanted me to do it myself. So a little bite-sized portion there of Patrick Jean. I give him a bit of a French Jean. I'm not sure if it is Jean or if it's more of a Patrick. It's definitely not Patrick Jean but I'm not sure it's Patrick Jean. Yeah Gustave gave it a, a half Jean half Jean, didn't he, on Monday? I'm not really entirely sure where we stand. Uh, You and me both. But, however, without saying his name again, if you want to see that interview in full, you can do. Head over to Eurovoir TV. That's where you'll be able to find it. This is the Eurotrip. Now, there is a reason that that uh, Patrick interview was so brief. It is not because... We didn't want to hear more from him. Of course we did, but we've just told you where you can uh, you can see that interview in full. But it is because we are dedicating a sizable chunk of this week's episode to one man. One man alone. James, it's time. 
It's time for the people's champion, as I think some people definitely call him, Mr. <laughs> Daz Sampson. Uh, honestly, this man, I think I said this at the top of the show as well, has so much to say on absolutely everything. He does split opinions, but as you'll hear from him, I don't think he really cares because he just enjoys the fact that at least 50% of people out there love him. Of course, most people will know him as the act for Eurovision 2006 for the United Kingdom. Rob, you watched Eurovision more than I did back then. Do you remember what the public reception was for it back then? I remember the British public being big fans of Daz. Of course, he won one of our favourite national selections, Making Your Mind Up, for the UK in 2006. Who did Daz go to Eurovision instead of in 2006? I think he brings it up, doesn't he, in the interview? He does bring it up. There's some fantastic, uh, very UK-centric names. If you're outside the UK, you may not know who they are, but it's still very funny to us, some of the other names he took part. Including a man who eventually does go on to represent his country at Eurovision, incidentally. But yeah, I remember 2006, Daz Sampson representing the UK. Nobody really knew who he was at the time, despite a very successful career, which indeed he also talked about in this interview. But yeah, I remember everyone being very excited, thinking, of course it's the UK, we've got to send a novelty act but it was a novelty act with a difference, to be fair to him. And I don't think as well, I don't think he was really helped by the running order because he came directly after LT United. Of course, we spoke to Andreas Mamatovas on the podcast a few months ago and trying to follow LT United was a very difficult act uh, to follow. But anyway, without further ado, let's get to the interview because Daz speaks about everything you hear. He speaks about his career, his very successful career, should I say, before Eurovision itself. He speaks about trying to represent Belarus in 2019 and his new journey to try and represent Belarus again in 2021. But I started off by asking him where the Eurovision adventure first began for him. Well, the Euro- whole Eurovision thing, I mean, look, I, first, of, first and foremost, I'm a massive Eurovision fan, you know, going back to the days of obviously books, fairs, and, and, and when it was, when it was, we were proud to be British in Eurovision. And I always used to say, I'm going to do that one day. And of course, I'm from Stockport, which is a, a suburb south of Manchester. And you don't say things like that without getting a slap round your head. I actually tried for the first time in 2002 with a track called Land of the Rising Sun. Good luck finding that on the internet, although I think it is there somewhere. But 2006, uh, I don't know if you remember, but I'm part of the group Uniting Nations, and we had obviously a big hit, Out of Touch, uh, in 2004, 2005, and Richard Parks contacted uh, our record company. Richard Parks was almost like the BBC version of Simon Cowell at the time, and he contacted our, our record company asking if United Nations would submit a song my manager, Joe Taylor, called me up and said, what do you think about this? Because he always knew that I, 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 I love to have done Eurovision. Now, my record company at the time said, no, we don't want you doing it. Now, that's red rag to a bull to me. And as soon as they said that, I said, I'm doing it. Um, I'd written a song, Teenage Life, for Blazing Squad. And Blazing Squad had recorded the song. And um, it was just on a shelf because they were starting to go on the wane then and they were falling. And I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Now, unbeknown to me, he sent the demo version, which had me on it, the one that I'd actually wrote the song on. He didn't send the Blazing Squad one, and the BBC heard it, and that is how it happened. And literally, maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference, and I was uh, I was uh, on Making Your Mind Up. That is how fast it happened. So it was sort of right place, right time, I guess. How did you feel then when you got the call to say you were in in 2006, and if you'd already had that sort of opportunity to try in 2002... Uh, when when we got the chance and I heard the other five songs, and this is not me being big-headed, it's me knowing the great British public. As soon as I heard the other five songs, I knew that I would get the vote, which is why I, I'm not a gambling man, which is why I went and put an extortionate amount of money on me to get the public vote. And I did. And uh, it was the proudest moment. For me, I guess that is like a footballer being picked to play for England at the World Cup. The minute that happened, it changed my life forever. And it was one of the proudest moments uh, of my life, certainly. Tell you what I know, do you listen to your teacher? No, I don't think so. 
which was the happier moment, getting the ticket to Eurovision or that bet coming in? The ticket to Eurovision, mate. You can have all the money in the world and be very empty and lonely and you can not have a pot to piss in and be extremely happy. So we must, we must not put too much emphasis on material things. Um, yeah, it was phenomenal. It was fantastic. And do you know what? This might be a question that you have. I wouldn't change a single thing apart from the result. The fact of the matter is, on the night, it just wasn't good enough. The song just wasn't good enough. And um, I accept that. I take it on the chin. I don't hide behind political voting. There was just better songs in the competition that night. As simple as that. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask you what you thought of the overall experience in Athens that year. You've mentioned you, you know, the result wasn't what you hoped for, but what was the overall experience like? Was it everything, you know, you, did it live okay. up to expectations? Oh, yeah. The cocoon that goes into I mean, the Eurovision fans are phenomenal, phenomenal. Now, I get an, an copious amount of stick off them. I don't know why, but I still love them for the fact that there's so many different cultures, there's so many different um, genres represented. It's just a phenomenal thing. Again, getting back to the football thing, and football is a massive part of my life. Getting back to the football thing, it was the equivalent of playing in the World Cup. It was the musical equivalent of playing in the World Cup. The problem being is the fact that when it finishes, you just go like and drop and there's no safety net for how it prepares you because leading up to it, you're like on everything, blah, 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 blah. It's a big, big build. But as soon as the competition finishes, you don't do well, you are dropped down like that. And it is the curse of Eurovision. So much so that since Eurovision, I've had five top 20 hit records, uh, which you will never know about because I've written them for other people under a different name and I've signed disclosures. In the last 14 months alone, I have written two songs which I was to play you or anybody else should go, no way has he written that. Just because it doesn't have my name on it doesn't mean I haven't written it. But unfortunately, the curse of Eurovision makes me not be able to publicly broadcast that because as soon as you say Des Sampson you think of some idiot jumping around the stage rapping with an American accent and I will never ever be able to leave that. So you can't tell us what those songs are then because I'm, I'm desperate to know. Let's put it this way one of them colossal and let's just say anthem within the last 14 months and we'll just leave it at that. I'll give you a clue American artist let's leave it at that one of them and one of them is believe it or not a very well established um, guitar band. Yes, that surprises you as well, doesn't it? So going back to 2006, then you've mentioned this sort of come down you get once the final's over and then it just, you know, it comes straight back down. How quickly do you get used to it, like being outside of the Eurovision bubble after that massive journey you've had? Okay, well, the Eurovision is like taking a drug. Simple as that, which is why people, you know, why, why does he keep, why does he keep, I, tried to go back in 2007 and we had meetings with the BBC and they thought it was too soon. And then in 2008, we tried again. We had another meeting. And then it's a bit like, you know, when you're at a party too long and it gets a bit stale. So we didn't, so I had a couple of years out from trying. And then I, we started again around about 2013. I'm like one of those guys that, that, that wanted to be a footballer and got signed for Manchester United, but got one game. And, and I wanted a chance to prove myself. So there's lots of unfinished business because people say, why did you go back to Belarus? Well, exactly. Because, you know, when I put a song into Eurovision, I put myself on right offer. And trust me, even my teenage daughter gets inboxes and, and, and abuse because of my association to Eurovision. I'm probably the only artist that gets that. I don't know why, because I'm just a songwriter and an artist who loves the competition, who loves to compete. Whether or not my song's any good or not, it's irrelevant. But the personal attacks that come are getting a little bit long-winded, particularly now with this latest Belarus thing that I've, I've, I've entered this year in the, in the pre-selection for Belarus. The abuse level is off the charts. And whether it's got a lot to do with COVID and people stuck in, but the abuse level is off the charts. I would pay to do the Eurovision because it's such a great competition. I don't mind getting paid for doing it. I would pay to go because that's not me being desperate. It's me loving the competition and wanting to be part of something. I don't know what is wrong with that. I don't know why people get so hung up on that. You know, I just, I just love it. And, and I think that I should be given the chance just like everybody else because there's loads of artists. Just look at Sweden. There's loads of artists who come back year after year after year or break it for a year and come back. 
get absolutely no stick. Oh, here's Samson again. And the reason for that is, is because of the content that I bring. Because of my reputation, I have to bring that type of naff novelty stuff. I have to. If I came with a serious record, which is what some of the clients that I write for have, A, no one would take me seriously. So, you know, you've made a rod for your back, Daz. This is what you must live and die by, I'm afraid. But hey, the show goes on. It certainly does. It certainly does. And we found ourselves in 2019 with a bit of a surprise because we saw Daz Sampson in Belarus for the first time. I mean, that came as a shock maybe to you as well, did it? How that happened was, after years of the bullshit that you have to put up with, with the, with the buffoons that, that, that are the UK select, how the UK selection process is. And that's not me having sour grapes. It, it's, it's nigh on impossible for any artist, unless you're on their radar, to get involved. And the fundamental selection process is flawed and it needs completely uplifting. You look at Sweden, my God, do they know how to do it? Phenomenal. Denmark, Norway, I mean, Norway this year. Oh my God, some of the songs in there are phenomenal. And here's the thing, Norway, Rayleigh, great song. So 80s, it's, that's even more 80s than my birth certificate, right? Does she get any stick for that? No. Does Samson comes with a 90s vibe, he gets stick. You can't win. But you know what? Come what may, I'll be back next year. You just love it, don't you? You said that, you know, your friends and family know that you love it. But I think I think the fans know that you love it as well, don't they? Whether they like you or not, you do love the contest. You have to understand that the, the, the Daz that you might see on the video is, is an over-exaggerated sort of character. TV, my, me and my friend Paul Keenan, who produced this track with me, we, we created this character in Athens called TV's Daz Samson. And the reason why we did that, we put the cigar in. I don't smoke. I never smoked in my life. I'm a fitness freak. We put the gown on and we were sort of walking around acting like Puff Daddy. And the reason why we did that is because we noticed when we got to Athens, everyone was following everyone round and, and Sylvia Knight was getting all the attention and lordy because they had a gimmick. The minute I put the cigar in, put the robe on and started acting like LL Cool J, everyone was on us. Now, people see that and think, who is that wankshaft? It's acting. They just don't understand. When I go, oh, we're going to win this, I knew, I knew we we're not going to win it. Even Wogan took me to one side and he said, you know you're not going to win this, don't you? <laughs> and I said, of course I do. But what do you want me to do? So you see what I'm saying? You have to have this persona. Unfortunately, people can't distinguish between the persona and the reality. Fortunately for me, my family and the people that are around me know the real me. And they know that this, this is, this is, this is, well, I'm not acting, but I'm outspoken, obviously, but this is showbiz mode, right? Tonight, I'm having a little bit of Chinese, little beer, watching Coronation Street. It's not showbiz mode, but unfortunately, I get judged by that buffoon. I'll never shake it. Do you think you could change the style and manage to twist a few more people's arms by doing something different? You know, you've mentioned these other genres of songs you've written under a different name. Do you think if you came with a song like that, but still as yourself, Daz Sampson, do you think more people would get on board? I wrote Give You Love, the song that would for Belarus. I actually wrote it sat in this very spot on the guitar. When I went into the studio, I said, right, I don't want to do it. Daz, I want to come with a complete new, you know, really Joel Corey, you know, real modern vibe. And the guys in the studio turned around and said, why are you going to do that? It's not you. You see what I'm saying? If I'd come with something very, very off the wall and just wouldn't get past first base. So the yeah that I do and come on, that's me. And unfortunately, 50% ate it. But fortunately, 50% get it. And I'm happy with that 50%. And you know what? I'm happy with this 50% who don't like it because that is what music is all about. 
It's about opinions. What I don't like is the fact that they go overboard and they start personally attacking. So that, personally attacking someone that they don't actually know, only the persona, that's like attacking a character off EastEnders. Do you know what I'm saying? So I would say a message to the Euro fans. Hey, if you don't like the song, that's fine, but let's tone down the personal attacks. You know what I mean? Fair play. Absolutely fair play. Very well said. Um, after 2019, then, uh, you've gone on record yourself saying with Kinky Boots, you were very underprepared. So how quickly did you think, I want back in this, I want to go back to, to Belarus or, or wherever to, to try again at Eurovision? About two seconds into the song. Really, that, that quickly? You know, it was... Yeah, well, I knew. I, I, well, I'm stood on that stage and I know it's going wrong. I take full responsibility. I'm the senior artist, right? We were totally... I got a call on a Monday afternoon of an old agent friend of mine and said, you know, are you still interested in Eurovision? I went, yeah. And, and they went, Belarus are looking for international acts. What do you think? I said, I've got the very, very song. Listen, I'm a retro act. I love the 90s. I'm, I'm proud of that. I love 90s music. Why would I shy away from it? I love it. So we had Kinky Boots. Nona, the girl who, who did it with, she'd not even heard the song. So this was about four o'clock Monday afternoon. I remember about nine o'clock that night, Matt called me back and said, they're interested. You need to sort this out. This is Monday. I said, right, let's do it. Give us a week or so. He went, no, 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 no. You have to go in four days. The auditions are in four days. So no one hadn't even heard the song. I gets on the phone to her, said, do you fancy it? God love her. She went, yeah. She recorded the song up in Scotland. We'd sorted it all out, booked the tickets. I'd not seen her for about a year previous. The next time I seen Nona was at the airport in Minsk. So we were underprepared. We had no routine. We were a little, I think, I think that, you know, it's a bit like you're not going to win a raffle, are you, unless you're in with a ticket. Now, even though I had that ticket, I knew we were underprepared. And the thing is with Eurovision, if you are not prepared, you get found out. And we got found out. Now, I don't sit here and say, oh, we were brilliant, because I know it was terrible, absolutely terrible. And unfortunately, you get judged by your last performance, which is why this time I've slightly changed the song and just toned the novelty a little bit down. And I've gone with a Belarusian singer, because I want to be sort of respectful to their culture. And there's even a little bit of Belarusian in the song. And um, interesting enough, the girl that I'm singing with, I actually found on my trip to Belarus because she's, she's a radio DJ. And as we we're in the car coming away from the TV studio, and I was, I mean, let me tell you, I was breaking, I was breaking down inside because I was gutted because I put myself on right off and no British artist had ever done that in Belarus. No one has ever done what I did and gone there and tried because my own country's so flawed. And she was on the radio. I heard her and I contacted her about two weeks after getting back. It took her about a month or two to get back to me. And I said, I want to try again next year. I'm going to write you a song. Are you interested? And she said, yes. And then what happened was I wrote a song, Give You Love. And before we even got around to even recording it with Katia, Belarus announced that they'd shut the door on foreign artists, so there was no way I was going back in 2020. And me and Katia have remained very good friends ever since, waiting for this moment. And um, when they reopened the window uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was set in stone. The track was ready, we, we, we rolled it out. And if we don't make it, we don't make it. If we do, we'll certainly do the best we can. And that's, that's the way the cookie crumbles. So when are you expecting to hear anything from Belarus then? Because publicly we, we don't really hear a lot about their selection process. So do you know more than us? Do you have a, is there a deadline about when you'll hear anything? We'll probably hear something in the next, look, at the end of the day, all acts have to be submitted by the 15th of March. Personally, because of the pandemic, I think what they might do is just internally select, which I think this is going to sound very defeatist for someone with a positive attitude like me, which I think mean that we might just miss out. Um, if they do a national final, 
I would be confident that we would do very well. I'm not saying that we'd win it, but I certainly think that we'd do, we, we, we would do respectably because we would have time to prepare and we would be right. It was nobody else's fault, Kinky Boots, but my own. We were underprepared. I take full responsibility. I was a little bit, bit blase and I'm paying the price for it now because I still get slated for it now. It's nobody else's fault but my own. And I want the chance to put that right. If they do a national final, I think we have a good chance. If they don't, we'll miss out for another year and maybe next year we'll come back with something different. I really don't. Now I'm going to ask you about the the sort of political situation that's in Belarus. And I, I know you are, you know, a big fan of, of the music and that's the main priority for you. But I think it's widely known about the, you know, the, the protests, et cetera, that are going on in Belarus. Are you concerned about that at all, about being a Brit who is potentially going to represent Belarus at Eurovision at all? Of course I'm concerned about it. And, and the thing is, look, I've been around show business and the media for a long, long time. So I realise that you don't quite take something from face value. You know, I'm not saying that it's all hunky-dory and amazing out there. I do not know enough about the situation to be able to make an educated comment on it. So I'm not going to put myself on offer and say something when I'm uneducated in that subject. However, you say a Brit representing Belarus, and, and we are forgetting that it's actually a Belarusian featuring a Brit. And Katia is 100% uh, Belarusian. I've asked her about this, and she would not be putting herself on offer and, you know, putting herself forward if she thought there was going to be huge um, sort of uh, negative feedback. Remember, she's almost like a, a minor personality in her own right. She has her own, very own successful radio show out in Minsk. So she wouldn't be doing this just for the sake of Eurovision if, if, if it was going to cause problems. So politically, I, 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 I'm not educated in that field enough to make a comment. However, doesn't mean to say that I'm not sympathetic to anyone's plight but I just don't want to take Tom's version of it before I listen to Sheila's version of it if you know what I mean so I've not really looked into it if if it come to the point where you know someone from high up said you shouldn't really be doing this then that's something we'd look at but at the minute and I've just heard the news this morning that the EBU are allowing Belarus to perform so if it's good enough for the EBU then why is it not good enough for me why don't you go and have a go at the EBU? Do you know what I mean? Now then, if it works this year and you do get the ticket for Belarus, what would it mean to be back after all these years? <laughs> Probably 10 times more than the first time round. Because it's like, I'm one of these people, when I say I'm going to do something, if it takes me 10 years, I'll do it. A famous little story. I was in, I don't know how old you are, but I'm a bit older than you, I think. So... When I was at school, you had like a careers lesson. And in a careers lesson, you would stand up and everyone would go, I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to be a train driver. I stood up and said, I'm going to be a pop star. To which point, and this was the days when you could get away with it, I got a chalkboard right on the back of my head because everyone was laughing in the, in the class. And Mr. Tomini said to me, the famous Mr. T, I'm getting told off Mr. T how my life would be in the song, right? The famous Mr. T said, Samson, careers like that do not happen to people from Avondale School. And it was the same teacher that six, seven years later called me up because I was number one in the charts with Kung Fu fighting, asking me if I'd go in and give a talk on careers to people. So you see what I'm saying? I said I was going to do it and I did it. I know this is a fact. I will go back to Eurovision one day. It might not be as an artist. It could be as a writer or a producer. Because obviously my birth certificate's getting a little bit long now. There's only so many years left in the old tank. Um, and when I say I'm going to do something, I will do it. Now, if I go back, it will be a little bit disappointed in, in, in the sense that there's going to be no crowds this year. And 90% of the Eurovision experience is the fans because they're just incredible. Even though half of them don't like me, I still think they're incredible because I think everyone is entitled to an opinion, good or bad. So that will be a little bit disappointed if, if the crowds are not allowed in, and which were understandable because of the situation. So if you don't make it this year, you, you kind of touched on it there that you would love to go back a different year. You've already voiced your opinion on the way the UK does their selection and the way the BBC get involved. I'm, I'm curious to know about what you think about the BBC's new direction where 
last year at least and widely expected for this year where they've teamed up with the record label BMG. What what do you make about that? Well, I mean, James Newman, I've got nothing against him, very, very talented individual, didn't set the charts alight when it was released. So the song was nowhere near good enough. Nowhere near good enough, all right? And it proved that in the charts. That whole BMG thing, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to stick my neck out. It's just a front. It's just a front because they want it, they need to be seen to be doing something. The fact of the matter is, just go back and look. Since me, since me, everyone has been politically correct. And everyone, with the exception of the odd little, I mean, obviously Jade did very well because obviously Andrew Lloyd Webber was behind it. Now I'm hearing a rumour that they're going to run, possibly run with a RuPaul drag type of thing. Now, if they do that, I applaud them because that is exactly the type of thing we need to be. But you can mark my words, if they go with that, it will be the tonest down drag act you've ever seen. It won't be, they'll be so suppressed, you know, oh yes, that's lovely, that's fantastic, do not rock the boat, politically correct. And it's just nonsense, nonsense. Get out there and ruffle a few feathers. That is how you get on. And what do you think it would take for the British public, the wider British public outside of the Eurovision fans, to take Eurovision a bit more seriously again? You've just hit the nail right on the head. The working man, the man on the street, the common man, which, you know, was still there when I was doing it. Because when I got the vote, I was getting taxi drivers stopping, lorry drivers beeping me, you know, local supermarket. Hey, Dad, that's all gone because of the fundamental flaw in the selection process. And what it needs is a major overhaul. Now I'm going to put this, and many Euro fans will agree with me. This is my opinion. BBC don't want to win it. Why on earth do they want the expense of this? The viewing figures are not great anymore. They don't want to win it. So, it, it, But in, in terms of, see the British public, like I was saying before, we don't mind getting beat in England as long as we go beat, get beat punching. But at the minute, in the last sort of five years, it seems like we've just gone and we're conceding before we even start. I mean, come on. I'm going, to, I'm going to say this, right? And I've got nothing against James. He's a very, very talented fella. If James Newman goes back this year, I've not even heard the song. I'll tell you right now, we're in the bottom three. I'll take a bet with anyone. I just know how it's going to pan out. Now, this is not a personal attack on him. It's a personal attack on the system. And I know for a fact, without even hearing it, the type of song they will sing, send. Now, if they send the drag act, that holds a little bit more optimism for me. Well, hopefully it won't be long until we see what happens. Um, I've got one last question for you, which, uh, which we ask everybody who comes on the podcast to talk to us. As a massive Eurovision fan yourself, you'll probably get asked, um, what's your favourite Eurovision song of all time? But we like to ask a bit of a different question, which is, what is your second favourite Eurovision song of all time? Ooh. Satellite. I was, do you know what? I was playing it yesterday on the guitar because I was trying to rip off the chords to write a song. <laughs> so, like a satellite, I'm in orbit. Oh, brilliant song. What a brilliant song that is. That's my second favourite. Obviously, Euphoria is my first. Just incredible. This is the Euro Trip. James, I've got to congratulate you on what was, as promised, an eye-catching, astounding, in parts, interview with uh, with Das Sampson. Honestly, there's you know, we have been very lucky to speak to some very important, some very special names on the podcast, haven't we? I don't think anybody's going to beat Das Sampson for me anytime soon because he's just so candid. I mean, I could have asked him anything and he'd given me a straight answer. But so candid to the point at which how he, how we finished the interview there when he when you asked him for a second favorite Eurovision <laughs> song and he said oh satellite and we were like oh fab, fab. why is that your second favorite Daz why is, why have you been reminded of that oh just because I was trying to rip off the chords for something I'm doing at the moment <laughs> ridiculous honestly he is one of a kind and he said it himself as well he he splits the crowd he is marmite you love him or you hate him I love him honestly I think he's got such an enthusiastic attitude towards the contest. He's a great songwriter. He has a very specific style, although he does have a, a you know, a very different style he, he claims to have with all these other songs that he's gotten at the charts. But yeah, I, I think he is a, he's a fantastic fella. And uh, I'm very thankful for his, uh, his very open chat we had uh, last week. Absolutely. Brilliant. Great to have him on the podcast. And also, if you are listening and you think, I'm not a big fan of Daz, at least give him the fact that he is a Eurovision fan 
just like you. He does love the contest as much as we do. Maybe even more so. <laughs> it's safe to say that his uh, his his passion for the contest did come across there. Uh, but you're almost there. You've almost done it. This marathon episode of the Eurotrip podcast is almost at an end. But first, it is time for the one second song. Now, this is where the two of us take it in turns to play each other. One second, the first second of a previous Eurovision entry. There are four points on offer. You are looking for the year, the artist, the song title, and I've forgotten the third one, the fourth one rather, the country. That's what I was after. So country, year, song title, artist. Said that in a different order just to confuse everybody. (laughs) James, you ready? As ready as I'll ever be. Let's go. Here is this week's One Second Song. Ooh, now then. I don't want to do a Rob Lilly, because that is your surname, and we never say that out loud, and that sounded very strange, but I don't want to do a Rob. It's very formal. I liked it. It was very formal, uh, Mr. Lilly, but I am confident. How confident? Out of 10? Oh, it's too confident to say 10 out of 10, so I'm going to say, on the confidence scale, I am 9. Okay, well, you're confident, but you might be listening at home thinking... I need one more play just to to get the answer in my head. So for the second time, here's this week's one second song. Come on then, Mr. Rowe, if we're going to be all formal about it. You're very confident. Let's have your answer. And I'm not normally very confident. So hopefully, fingers crossed, this is worth it. So I'm going to say the year was 2017. I think... The country was the United Kingdom. I think it was Lucy Jones with Never Give Up On You. For the first time in a long time. (gasps) Mr. Rowe. Yes? The four points are yours. (laughs) Oh, check it out. Now, I thought that I was being clever. I thought I'd combine two elements of this week's podcast. We, of course, heard the latest from Ukraine, which was the host venue, the host country of Eurovision 2017, where this song was performed. And we heard from Das Sampson, a previous UK artist. So I brought the two together in harmony for this week's One Second Song. So very well done. Before I give you a little bit more deets on that entry and that act, let's have a listen. Tell me your secrets, I'll keep them safe. No sign of weakness, it's a sign of faith. We'll stand tall so you don't fall. Jones, never give up on you. 15th for the United Kingdom, with what sounds like a lot of points for a song that came 15th. 111 points. It was one of our best ever entries of the decade, wasn't it, aside from Blue? Our second best entry of the 2010s, as you might call them. Yes, indeed. Which is a damning indictment of the United Kingdom in Eurovision that 15th was our (laughs) second best of the decade. I think finally, somehow... We've reached the end of this week's episode of the Eurotrip, so round of applause to you for listening all the way to the very end. Yeah, a marathon, not a sprint this week, but I think very, very worthwhile. I mean, we've heard from all sorts of people, haven't we? We've heard from Daz, of course. Thanks to Daz for joining us on the podcast. We'd love to hear from him again. Who knows? Maybe we will hear from him, from him again if he is representing Belarus at Eurovision 2021, which is just a whole world of ridiculousness that, that that could happen but would be very 2021 if it did happen thank you very much as well to Yaroslav from the Ukrainian broadcaster who joined us to discuss Go A and Shum uh, being their entry for the Eurovision 2021 just wanted to fit in saying Shum one more time before the end of the podcast and thank you as well to Patrick Jean who joined us earlier on to talk about his entry in this weekend's Melody Festival and semi-final but most importantly 
a big thank you to you for listening yet again. Uh, don't forget, until next Wednesday, and of course as well, next Monday's episode of Melfest Monday, you can keep in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Eurotrip Podcast. And as well, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and rate us five star. And keep an eye on at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram on Friday. We've got a big guest coming. This is as big as it gets. I think, maybe. It's pretty big, anyway. I may have oversold it there. It's big. Keep an eye on our social channels on Friday, is what I'm trying to say. So, until then, whether it's Friday or Monday or Wednesday or whenever you're back, from me, it's goodbye. And from me, goodbye. Also, the most hilarious thing I thought was when um, when he said, and now, I don't know how old you are. I think you're a little bit younger than me. A little bit younger than you? Yeah, at least 20 <laughs> years, pal. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I had a review to the going, I am indeed 57. <laughs> yeah, that was, that am, was very I funny. I am probably young enough to be your son. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.